I was actually like at my friend's bachelor party and I was like, like drinking a pint, like, like midway through downing a pint. And someone was like, Hey, like Snoop just wrecked guy. I was like, what? Um, um, com- yeah, exactly. Completely out of the blue. It was insane. That, that's for me, that's like my biggest highlight in, in this whole journey so far. Going from wall street, right. And coming into f three. Has that been the best decision of your life? The volatility of the price action, like you go from a market where things are moving 2% or 5% to a market where things are moving like a thousand percent or down 99% <laughs> was just incredible. I just, I just found like both crypto and NFTs as like an asset class is way more interesting than the traditional markets that I was trading. Yeah, I think you also got unlucky, right? Because you ended up selling a lot of your apes or uh, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> at a very low amount. I had, I had no idea. Um, how big they're going to be. I was just like buying and selling JPEGs and stuff. And obviously I had no idea what apes were going to become, what you was going to become. And I was like, cool, I just mint all these things. I just made like five times or 10 times my money and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the money and, and run. Calm down before you stress up the groove. The energy a little different when the blessings accrue. Hey, who you talking to? Just know I ain't no regular fool. Could be anything in the world, but I can never be you because I had time like I'm on my tiptoe. All right, Avi, what is going on? How are you doing today? Uh, good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing absolutely great. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. I know you've already done a bunch of these podcasts, so you're probably maybe better than me at it uh, since you have your own show and obviously been involved in this space for such a long time. But I noticed that every single podcast always starts with your story, right? Let's talk about your story. I think I do want to talk about your story, but instead of what I want to kick it off is what are your goals for 2023, specifically for the Web3 space and everything you have on your plate right now? <laughs> That's a good question. No one's, uh, yeah, <laughs> no one's usually started with that one. Usually it's like, tell me about yourself or what's your story? What's your background? Um, goals for 2023. Gosh, that's a tough one. 2022, I felt like it was easy because we were starting at zero. For 2023, um, yeah. it's a difficult thing because it's like, how do we take things to the next level? But I would say, um, at least on my side and on my end, there's two things that I'm really focused on. Um, one of them is Rekt Guy, and one of them is my art. And um, I would love, the goal for both of those is similar. I would love to just get like a much wider audience into that ecosystem, um, grow our community, like grow the, the value of it in, in turn as a result of it. But I want to do it, do that all without like dropping a hundred thousand NFTs or increasing our supply and doing all that kind of stuff. Like I want to like find ways I can actually drive value to those collections um, without just selling more stuff. So that's, I would say that's my main goal. It's a little bit vague, but um, that's, that's what I'm trying to do this year. No, it's a good start. I caught you off guard anyway, so I'm sure we'll dive deeper <laughs> yeah. into that. Shout out to our sponsors from OKX, a lightning fast trading platform with the lowest fees in the market. They offer hundreds of pairs to trade on and new products dropping every single week. One of the best things about OKX is they prove their commitment to security through monthly proof of reserve audits, demonstrating their clean reserve strategy and showing that they really care about customer funds. Now, if you're a seed phrase reader, subscriber, or just a viewer, check out the link in the description where you can actually get 30% off of all trading fees for your first $10,000 traded on OKX. Go ahead and check out the link in the bio. You know, you said one thing about in terms of like, you don't want to dilute your supply, increase the, you know, increase the amount of NFTs or specifically community holders, quote unquote, but you also want to bring mass attention, right? I've been talking to a lot of founders and I'm sure you have too, 
And it's like one of the main thing that you're, we're starting to see a lot of Web3 projects and IPs, I guess, in a sense, focus on is content. So as an artist specifically, right, um, and a founder for your projects, is that also a play that you're looking to dive into in order to bring in more attention? Or what is that growth aspect look like for you guys uh, and what you're focused on? Yeah, it's tough. You know, like, um, how do you get mainstream? How do you bring more people in? And can you do that with just 10,000 NFTs? That's the, that's the big question, right? So, you know, when the, if you have a, uh, if you look at something like Doodles and they're like, we, we want to bring in hundreds of thousands of people and millions of people. And when you have 10,000 NFTs and they're worth like $7,000, $8,000 each, it's really hard to drive mainstream adoption there. So the question is, how do you do that um, without diluting the supply? And I think that's something that we feel strongly about because we don't want to do that at the cost of like early supporters or people who've... Um, um, being there from the beginning, uh, the OG guys, you want you want all that value to be streamed to them. And I think Yuga Labs have done that so well because apes still are worth a ton right now. And and every new thing they do, they they benefit the OG apes. But for us, I think it's you know we're we're not uh, with Rex guy. It's not an NFT collection that's at a floor price of seventy ETH or or fifty ETH or, or even ten ETH or five ETH. Like we're at, we're at one ETH. So I think that gives us like. A lot of growth and upside that we can achieve without actually having to like sell more nfts and and the main uh thing with that is to like just grow this brand grow this idea like grow the meme and for something like red guys look at cc0 um uh anyone can do anything with, with red guys uh without having to get our approval or our permission and i think that's really strong that has massive networking effects and we've seen it in our community i think that's one of the reasons why we've had the success so far so for us it's like we are stronger and bigger and can grow even larger as our community strengthens. And um, how do we grow that? Well, it's not necessarily me just posting on Twitter saying, hey, guys, buy Rec Guy, join Rec Guy. That's not really how it works. But yeah. we do have a role in providing the community with the tools to go for it and you know expand and, and create this virality of it. And I think that's the stuff we're focused on. Like, how do we, how do we equip each Rec Guy holder Within the community with the right tools to go out there and do whatever they want with um this imagery or or, or brand they have and that they own and whether that's like hey here are all the assets of ret guy here's a gif app where you can just like you know put a face on top of it and create a meme it can be as basic as that it can be as complicated as like okay let's get a, a focus group together and and build a website that um you know allows you to filter through tra traits and and be like um specifically drill down into things that are bespoke to ret guy so um, all those sorts of things are the stuff that I think uh, uh, we want to work on that I think will have a big impact. Yeah, I love it. And I think the idea of just being wrecked and obviously the wrecked guy theme is already established and it's like a foundation inside the crypto culture. So that alone obviously helps you guys a lot with growth and IP and obviously just being able to understand and know that, hey, this is part of the community forever. And anybody who does come into the NFT is going to go through a wrecked guy phase. And I think that's pretty clear as well. Um, I want to reverse a little bit back into obviously going from Wall Street, right? And coming into Web3. Has that been the best decision of your life and why? Uh, yeah, it has. It's been one of the best decisions of my life. Why? I just, I think, uh, how do I put it? I love my old job. I love being a trader. Um, I'm not really like a sit down in the office kind of person. I need something new, different every day. I need a bit of excitement, need that thrill. Um, and I, I got everything and all of that with, within that job. I think I got a little bit tired of it because it's different when you work for yourself and you work for a company and, you know, having, 
um, your own autocracy, I think, is a is a nice thing. It's a, it's a big thing. And the other things like like just being going to an office every day, five days a week, and having two weeks of holiday every year where you can actually travel and stuff. It kind of sucked. And trading is not really this kind of job you can do remotely. Even though during COVID we did, you can't really like do that kind of stuff remotely. So I was getting a bit tired of those aspects of it, and, and I just stumbled into crypto um, and then NFTs and um, I think, uh, I think it was, it was like the volatility of the price action. Like you go from a market where things are moving 2% or 5% to a market where things are moving like a thousand percent or down 99%. <laughs> it was just incredible. And I just, I just found like both crypto and NFTs as like an asset class is way more interesting than the traditional markets that I was trading. And for me, it just ended up being a no brainer. It's like, I can, I can move to this job where it's like a billion times more interesting. I can work for myself. I can work from anywhere in the world. And ultimately, I can make more money doing it because there's way more opportunity and it's such a nascent industry that um, those opportunities don't exist anywhere else. So, yeah, it's like, you know, some of my some people I used to work with or whatever will be like, do you have any regrets? Do you want to come back, et cetera? And, you know, it's, it's literally, uh, do you miss it and all that kind of stuff? Like it genuinely, I can put my hand in my heart and genuinely say it's never once crossed my mind to go back because um, I'm just enjoying what I do so much now. I love that. Have you like recruited anybody from your old job to join forces in Web3 or that it's only been the vice versa conversation? <laughs> That's funny. I've had a lot of people reach out um, who are curious, you know, who, who have yeah. maybe similar thoughts and are curious, but it's a big leap. It's a big leap to jump into something that is maybe still somewhat unproven, but it's getting more proven and leave a, a good job at an investment bank. It's a big leap. And, um, you know, we haven't, uh, we haven't yet done that. I think I actually may even had some uh, like some clauses in my contract to, to not to not recruit from from my old job, but you know eventually I, I can see more people making the switch. Like I'm not the only person that's made this traditional finance to decentralized finance switch, and I think we'll see more of it. Yeah, what would you say is like? Well, not 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 what would you say? So you work your whole life to get to a job and to a position where you were at, right? Which is like traditional finance, the top of the top, like Wall Street, obviously position. You're trading full time and then you decide you know what screw the last 25 years and what i worked for let me just come into this brand new industry that i know nothing about what was the first determining factor or what was the moment when you were like okay now i'm ready to quit based off x y and z what was that mentality like yeah it's a good question so i guess i was already involved in crypto and nfts and stuff while i was working and i never thought i would quit my job to do it full time. It was just like, Hey, I can make some money on the side doing this is kind of fun. Like, just like most people. Right. Um, but I was lucky, you know, I was lucky to be there in 2021, um, in February and March and just bought the right things. And not, I'm not saying like I was really smart and put on good trades and stuff and made loads of money. Like I got lucky. I got lucky in a few different things. I got lucky on apes. I got lucky on punk that I bought. Um, so it got to the point where like, I, I'd, I'd like made enough money to, to be able to quit. Um, but then it's a question of like, well, it's not just making enough money to live like a couple of years. Like, is there, you know, enough growth? Is there, is there enough of like an upside in the space? And I think as time went on, as I spent more time in the space, I just, one day it just clicked for me. It's like, wow, this stuff is really going to change the world. Like Ethereum, I think is really going to change the world. Like this concept of NFTs and technology is really going to change the world. And that doesn't mean every single person in the world is going to go out there and buy like a cute fairy animal PFP. It doesn't mean that, but this technology can be used in so many different ways. That's so much more efficient than the way things exist right now. And 
I just had that moment of like, I never really understood Ethereum before, but when I was trading NFTs every day, you know, there, like you fill your wallet, you have to pay gas, you have to sign this, but you, you, you know, you see how all these things fit together in this puzzle and you're just like, wow, this is huge. Like I'm using this every day. Suddenly you have that moment. It's like, shit, I'm literally using this every single day. Um, and so is so many people and more and more people are going to use it. And that's when I realized it's like, this stuff is just going to be so, so big. And so many people, crypto has been around for 10, 10 plus years, but so many people still are skeptical, still just don't really realize and get it. And I know that for a fact, because I was crypto skeptic for many, many years. And it took me like, to be honest with you, it took me trading NFTs to really understand it and get it. And once I did, I was like, wow, this is insane. Yeah, it's funny that you say that because it's like still until this day, every time you post a video about crypto, it's like crypto is a scam, NFTs are dead, just stay away from it, right? And But you talk to anybody that's already in the community, in the culture of Web3 NFTs, the majority of those people, especially in the last batch of like mass adoption, I guess, that came in, all came through NFTs, right? So what do you think that next batch looks like? Is it going to be NFTs again? Do you think it's going to be the utility NFT? Is it going to be that Web2 aspect of things that, you know, we're starting to see like Reddit and Starbucks? So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think... I think it's going to be the web two aspects of it. I think it's going to be like, as you said, Reddit, Starbucks, people using NFTs without knowing their NFTs, um, yeah. and whether they're called digital collectibles, whether they're loyalty programs, whatever it is, I think that's like the next big onboarding. Utility NFTs, I think, are in a tough spot because I think what happened last year is a lot of NFT projects were like, hey, we're going to sell this mint and we're going to use it and go and build this or go and do this. And what people didn't really realize or didn't put two and two together of was like, the value of their NFT was derived based on derived from these people going out there and executing this roadmap or game plan. And it was basically like angel investing. It was like VC investing. You're investing in a startup and you're hoping these guys do well. And when people go out there and angel invest or, or do a VC startup, whatever, you, you like you don't just give someone a check, right? You have one-on-one -on -one Zooms with them. You find out like their plans. You meet the whole team. You're running their numbers, the financials. Um, you have all this information and then you make your decision. Whereas like, the NFT market was like, oh, wow, these guys are going to go build a metaverse game. This sounds sick. I'm in. I'm going to, I'm going to buy it. And then what's happened is like you've just given some people money who've gone out there and done a really good job, but most people haven't. And even like startups, most startups fail. And I think that's what people didn't realize with the whole utility PFP craze. And, and that's why that ended up where it did. And I think it will continue to be challenged. But you know, if, you, if you're buying NFTs because you want to buy a piece of crypto art that you really like from an artist or something that represents culture or history, then that's a completely different thing. And I think that's the stuff that will always have value. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Um, I want to reverse just a little bit back to because you you said you got lucky, right? And I think a lot of people need to get lucky in NFTs. And the chance of getting lucky now is probably a lot less than what it used to be, right? But going back to the part where you got lucky, I think you also got unlucky, right? Because you ended up selling a lot of your apes, or uh, yeah. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, at a very low amount. So walk me through, does that still come back to kind of haunt you? And how do you feel about that experience as a whole being from like, I own so much or I had so much wealth in me, but I just couldn't hold through until, you know, the other, the other side pretty much. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Um... Usually that's this kind of stuff that would really get to me. And it's like, wow, just like tens of millions of dollars. I just, I just let go. But the thing is, if I went back to that situation 
and I was myself, I would have done the same thing. And I, and I, and I understand why I did what I did because I like, look, I minted those apes, right? I minted them in May, 2021. Um, and, um, I like, uh, you know, I had, had no idea like what NFTs were going to become. Like I had, I had no idea, um, how big they're going to be. I was just like buying and selling JPEGs and stuff. And obviously I had no idea what apes were going to become, what you was going to become. And I was like, cool. I just minted all these things. I just made like five times or 10 times, um, my money and, um, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the money and, and run. And I just, there's nothing in me at that point that would have changed because I just didn't realize how big it would be. And if it was maybe two months later or three months later, I think I would have realized, I would have realized how high and big this can get. But I just didn't know or get it at that point in time. So look, it sucks. Like should, if I had held, um, it would have been great. I would have made so much money, but there's no way I would have held knowing what I knew then other than just out of like, being lazy or, or luck. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I, um, I had some good stuff as well. I had like a gold ape. I had like a trippy ape. Yeah. Um, look, you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How much do you think that decision has changed your life and the way you've approached the space since then? How has it changed my life and how I've approached the space since then? I've definitely realized that um, in terms of approaching the space, one thing I've definitely realized is um, if you pick the right thing and you have conviction, um, there's so much more upside into just holding on to it than buying and selling and trading, basically. And I think that's a mistake. It's like um, I made so much money. I thought I was making so much money trading, buying and selling. And then um, you know, if I just held those apes, it would have been way more than, than everything else. So I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's like the space is filled with hype right it's like the next hot thing the next big thing people chasing momentum and sometimes i think you know you just don't need to chase that and do that i think um you just got to pick your spots pick what you like stay disciplined not give into the fomo and the momentum and um understand when to buy like buy the dips don't don't chase something when it's up 100 percent, and um stick to it and since then i think it's, it's a strategy that's worked out well for me and it was good last year. Like last year, you could have really got burnt. But for me, it was like, cool, like I'm just buying things that I know and that I think will have long-term value. I'm just going to hold on to them. And even though I, when I bought things at last year, like when I bought ETH last year at like 900 or whatever, I was like, oh, this feels horrible. Like I'm already down like, <laughs> like 80% on everything that I own. I'm buying even more here. It just felt so gross to do it. But that's when you've just got to do it, close your eyes and do it and just hold it and, and wait. And um, I think that's definitely something I learned from, from my early days. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And it's like, as much as we hear the same saying, it's like, don't give into the FOMO, always buy when people are selling, right? Like sell when people are buying. We still have a hard time as humans following those sample directions for whatever reason. Like I'll give you a fair example. Today, I think Coinbase is up like 100% on the month, right? And my friend texts me because, you know, we trade stocks here and there. And he's like, bro, why didn't nobody come over to my house and press the buy button on the fucking Coinbase options or, <laughs> or stop? He's like, we all knew it was going to go up. Why did nobody buy? And I'm like, that's a great question. We just like as investors or as humans, we only want to do what everybody else is doing and we yeah. never want to go against the grain. And I think that hurts or that's obvious in specifically the crypto space more than anywhere else because you get to see everybody else and how they're moving. Like if you see, if I see OSF investing into NFT, I'm gonna go ahead and invest into it, right? 
So to, to, to go off of that topic, now that you're in a position, obviously, where you have multiple projects, you, so you start off with Red Guy, you have DGENs, and, and you've kind of been through the roller coaster of going minting, going to zero pretty much, right? And yeah. coming back up on top and, and establishing. What are some of the biggest things that you have learned that you would recommend or you're like, okay, these are stables I'm always going to stick by because I experienced it? Yeah. So, I mean, I think for, I, I definitely learned to, from the perspective of a project creator, I learned so much from that experience and like, like we made DGENs in July, 2021 and we had no idea what we were doing. And we're like, yeah, let's just make an NFT project and some JPEGs and we'll make some money off it. Like just like how everyone else was thinking about it. Right. And um, I just didn't expect the backlash that we got. And I guess like what happened with us is people bought it, didn't make money. So, okay, we'll sell it, move on to the next thing. And then you're sitting in this situation where it's like, well, I just made some money from this mint and this thing is now worth zero. And it's like this, not only is it a stain on my record, but like, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I made some money and, I, and it was a failure. It just didn't work out. And I just, I don't deserve it. Like I didn't, I didn't really earn it. And my, my co-founder Mando, um, felt the same way. So, um, you know, from that, I was like, look, the, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not a crime to fail because people don't get things right all the time. It's not a crime to mess things up. You're not, not everyone is going to be successful. Um, it's also not a crime to necessarily give up. Although I think people should keep trying and keep at it and show perseverance and resistance. And for us that like, we were never going to give up on it. We were just going to try different things until something worked and eventually it did work that like we changed it into like an NFT research platform, which is, which is doing well now. But I think the most important thing that I learned from it and something that I don't see enough of and something that I think is unforgivable and something that every single person should be doing is like, if you fail at something, if you fail at an NFT project and you're like, well, that was a failure, let me move on to the next one. But for the next project, you don't give like the OG supporters who bought that first thing. If you don't give them some sort of benefit or a look or a free mint, whatever it is, that I think is the crime and that's a mistake because you had a bunch of people who invested in you, you fucked up and they're whatever, like that happens, you move on to the next thing, but you then don't give them some kind of like preferential treatment. I think that's a mistake. And um, it goes back to the whole thing about Yuga always driving value back to the OG apes. Like you should always drive value back to the original people that supported you. And that's what we did. Like when we did Rex Guy, we just made it a free mint for all the DGENs holders. And now if you bought DGENs, like cool, like the actual DGENs PFP is not really worth that much, but you have this DGENs access pass because you're the reports and, and and analytics and stuff, which is which is worth something. You got access to a free mint from Rec Guy, which is worth something. And now it's like cool, like we failed at the original DGENs PFP project, but we succeeded at two other things. But it's not like yeah. we ditched those guys. We brought those guys along and they all were able to benefit and profit from it. And that I think is the most important thing. I love that. And yeah, I think this is a great segue to go into. So you have Rec Guy, you have DGENs recently this year, obviously, or last year, I guess, end of last year. You have tabs and then now Canary Labs, which is pretty much starting to build out this complete ecosystem of whether it's data, community, PFP, and obviously art. Um, what are like some of the biggest plans you guys have planned out for this year? Any alpha we can uh, start diving into? Yeah, I think, um, look, I think within Canary Labs, as you have DJs, you have Rect Guy, you have tabs, which we did with, with Alien Queen. Yep. Um, I kind of view... Um, like Rex Guy and Tabs, like these are the community, like culture, art projects that we want to push. And um, look, I, th we, I think we want to do more of the same stuff. We have some interesting ideas to 
to make them bigger and, and push the IP and, and, and value and, and brand for those things. But we're not going to overcomplicate them. We're not going to promise a metaverse game. We're not going to promise like a Web three clothing line. We're not going to promise a cartoon series. And I think I think we've done really well for it to get to a value based on like no roadmap or nothing. Yeah. And for me, that's the most powerful thing. It's like it's like the value of record does not depend on us being able to create a successful Web three game. Whereas it does for other projects, and when they fail, you see that they drop down in value. The value for us, like, is just a piece of art, and arguably culture, and a meme, and community, and that's always going to exist. And and really, just us, like, really, just like myself or Mando being in the space. Um, that's kind of what you're buying into, and it's built like I mean, think about CryptoPunks. Like, no one is doing anything, but they're just always going to have this right. value, and that's what we really wanted to try and do. And we recognize the opportunity was there, and that's what we're going to push for, 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 for Rex Guy and Tabs. And then for DJs, like, you know, if you go to DJs.finance, the, hu- the whole like NFT analytics platform now, you have all the fundamental research reports and, um, you know, we, we merged with the Flips Finance guys to, um, to put everything into one. And I think that's a really good like one-stop shop for everything NFTs. And um, last year was a great year for building. We lost a lot of uh, focus and attention on NFTs, but I think it will come back. And I think we just want to make that like uh, the easiest to use, like best platform that anyone wants to have for just looking at NFC analytics. And um, I think we have some interesting ideas on, to, on, on how we can boost that as well. I love that. Are you thinking of any or does any type of problems, whether it's on the community, culture or tech side in the Web3 NFT space that comes to mind that you're like, OK, that is a niche that I want to go ahead and try to solve? There's a lot of problems that I think you know, that I think could be solved. Um, there's a lot of things that exist in like the real life world that I think NFT technology could solve. Like, I don't know, like when you buy a used car, someone gives you like a little sheet, which tells you all the service history, like the used car could be an NFT and all the, all the changes could be like on chain or metadata. Like that would just speed up so many more efficiencies and stuff. Um, like when you have reservations, like dinner reservations like at hot places or whatever, like you create a marketplace for that and people could just start trading it. But cool, like mm. here's like a, my 8 p.m. res at Carbone or something. Um, um, yeah, I'm auctioning <laughs> it off now. <laughs> like, and you can just do it all on chain. That. Like, yeah, it's a cool idea, right? Like, I think that, I'm not going to take credit for that. I saw someone tweet that the other day. I can't remember who it was. Um, but all those, all these sorts of things are so interesting. There are like so many um, different ideas that I think would be amazing to solve, but it's like I just <laughs> don't have the time to do everything right. And, um, you know, I hope people people do these ideas. Is there any specific one that you're playing on, like tackling? Or it's just like the promise for you guys right now is like under promise, over deliver, and we're going to figure it out step by step. I think that's the idea. I think it's under promise, over deliver. I think we don't want to, we don't want to claim that we're going to try and like cure cancer here. I think it's <laughs> under promise, over deliver and Look, I think like when you're a project founder or when you're a creator or whatever it is, you have to find something and do something that's within your means um, that is sustainable. And I think um, I'm not a believer in, um, you know, work 24 hours a day and crush yourself. And believe me, I've done that. I spent 10 years doing that. Um, and ultimately, I think it's not sustainable. And I think you, you have more longevity in the business idea and running a community if you do it in a way that it's sustainable for you. And like, I'm at a spot right now where like, I work pretty hard. I, I say like, I'll work like 15 hours most days and, and weekends as well, but I really enjoy it and it's not too intensive and I can do it at home or whatever, or from my phone. And 
that is something I think I can just do for a long, 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 long time, which I think is the most bullish thing for our projects because I'm not going to get burnt out from doing it basically. What do you think is like the key there? Like working 15 hours after you've made a ton of money, what some even consider wealth, whether it's socially or financially, right? What do you think is like the key? And what would you tell people who aren't, who want to be in that position just so they can think like, I want to take a vacation. So what do you, what, like, what's the motivation there? Working 15 hours a day after you've accomplished so much. What's the motivation to keep going? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I think, um, I, it's, it's, it's a deep question because it comes down to like what your out, outlook on life is. Right. And for me, it's yeah. like, I couldn't just go on vacation for a year and just chill and stuff. Like I get bored. Like if, if I, even if I go traveling for two weeks or three weeks, like I just, I see the stuff and I'm like, I need to do something with my day. And I, for me, it's like, I want to set myself a challenge or a goal or a target and, and work on something and work towards it and push myself to see if I can achieve it. And whether that's like doing something in web three, like, I don't know, being an artist, like I don't have any background in art, um, but I'm trying to push myself. I'm trying to challenge myself, push myself out of my comfort zone and see if I can achieve something that I didn't think I could or that other people think I thought I couldn't. And for me, that's what it is. Like set yourself goals and challenges and just see if you can achieve them. And when you do set yourself more and see how far you can push yourself. And um, for me, that's what, that's the main thing that drives me. Like it's not so much the money. It's not so much the clout or the fame. For me, it's just like, personal satisfaction to be like cool like i'm gonna set myself this goal 90 percent of people are telling me i can't do it like i'm gonna prove to myself that i can and and that's the thing that drives me really i love that and would you like what would you what would you say your relationship is with wealth now that you're at the position you are my relationship with wealth is a good question look i don't um i don't think about how much wealth i have i don't think about the money I've made, I'm not trying to make a certain amount. I'm not trying to preserve a certain amount. I think for me, it's like, I make sure I have enough to live a modest life. Like I don't, I take the bus everywhere around London. Uh, <laughs> this t-shirt I've had. That's for dangerous, like, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> at nighttime it is, yeah. Uh, I've literally had this t-shirt for like three years. Um, like I don't, I definitely don't live extravagantly. It's great to be able to have money to travel. I think that's the big thing which is really important in the space for me um, to be able to travel, travel at short notice. Um, but my relationship with, with wealth is like, don't take it for granted and don't live in a way that is like gluttonous or in a way that is like um, too flamboyant or too over the top. And um, in a way where you want to like show other people you're wealthy or whatever, like I'm definitely not about any of that. For me, it's like, make sure I have enough to like achieve the things that I want to achieve, be able to travel, live a comfortable life. And, um, everything else is like, I'm not measuring it by how much money I've made. I'm measuring it by like other, other things that, that make me feel successful. I love that answer. I think that's a, that's a great point there. Um, leads me to another question that just came up here is free flowing. Um, so you took the trader approach, right? And the investor, and it's fair to say you've did great there. You've done the founder approach as well. You've also done great there. Now you're kind of in this atmosphere where you're like the artist approach, right? And you're already on to a really good start. Out of all three of those segues, which one have you enjoyed the most? I think I've enjoyed the artist side of things the most because it's just so different to what I was doing before. Um, it's like, you can a different part of your brain. Like I'm not crunching numbers. I'm not like solving <laughs> equations. I'm not even really like taking risk and like feeling that exhilaration. It's just like, 
I'm in like another world in my head. It feels very Zen. I'm like chilling and um, trying to be creative and trying to come up with stuff. And for me, that's the, you know, that's the most important thing. I, I think like it's just so different and I've really, really enjoyed it. Walk me through the process of like creating your first art, minting it, selling it as an NFT and like that whole process. Yeah. I mean, I just, the first piece I did, I was literally just doodling something on my notepad, but I still had a job <laughs> and I was bored and I was just like, I just doodle this thing. And then I just decided to make it into an NFT. I didn't want to like shill it. I didn't want to pump it up. At this point, I already had some following from collecting art. Um, so I was like, here's my auction on foundation. If anyone wants to buy it, they can. Um, and I've done digital art before. Like I spent actually my teens creating digital art. Um, and, um, so I had some experience in doing it. I didn't never really thought I could like sell things in this environment because everyone is so talented, but I was like, whatever, like I'll do it for fun because I enjoy it, put it up on foundation. Someone bought it for like 0.5 ETH. And <laughs> I just really enjoyed that feeling of like someone, it's not a huge amount of money, but someone was like, the fact that someone wanted to buy that piece, um, just meant a lot. Maybe they didn't buy it for the art. Maybe they just bought it because like I had a following or they, they thought they could make money on it, whatever. But the guy actually still owns it. The guy still owns the piece. Um, uh, and so just that feeling of where every time someone collects it because they like the art, I think there's no other feeling like it, I would say. I love that. And the fact that you still know that the guy's like owns that first piece of art is pretty cool in itself, right? It's like in no other world does an artist know who owns their piece or where or what's it doing. So I think that's pretty dope. Um, if you had the option to only pick one of those routes, let's say we reverse in time and you can only do one of those things, which one would it be? I would stick with the art. I think, I think, uh, like trading and stuff has been my bread and butter for 10 years, but, um, it can be stressful. It's not sustainable. It's, um, I love the thrill. It's exhilarating, but I think with the art, I feels like I can, you know, I can really, um, uh, make it something that's like long-term and sustainable and something that I think I will always enjoy um, unconditionally. Yeah, fair enough. And now we've been seeing obviously a lot of the artists and the open editions popping up and, and it's becoming more of a narrative and more artists want to come into the space. Um, what are your thoughts obviously on the current place and uh, narrative, I guess, around artists, arts, open editions, and just the way the, the space is evolving right now on that sector? Yeah, look, I have two two views on open editions. I think if you're a brand new artist and um, you're entering the space, it's actually a really good way to build a community around your art. You know, like it. it um, I think NFTs are about community. I keep saying it. It's, a, it's so cliche to say it, but it, it really is true. And yeah. it's a really good way to onboard more people and get more eyes on your stuff. And um, I think from that perspective, open editions are fantastic. If you're a high-selling artist, it is a really good way to get people to be able to own a piece of your art at an affordable level. I think there's an element of greed involved. Um, you know, people can make a lot of money from open editions and then it hurts their existing collect collections and things can go down in value and people get upset and stuff. And I honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with selling an open edition, making loads of money off it and doing whatever you want with that money. There is nothing wrong with that. And it's completely ethical. It's fine. And people do it all the time. Like if you're a music artist and you sell, records you're actually celebrated by how much records you sell right you'll get introduced as like this guy sold 15 million records yeah. worldwide but for some reason if you sell loads of a uh, open edition people <laughs> hate you for it um and so i think like there's i really think there's nothing wrong with it but i think as an artist you also have to understand 
if you do it and you do make a lot of money from it, you're probably going to get a lot of backlash. It is going to hurt your reputation. It will probably affect your mental health and stuff. And people are going to hate you for it. And they're going to, even though you're just saying this is just the art, people are going to expect you to do something with it. Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing that you have to face as an artist and ask yourself the question if you want to go through that or not. And so, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with it and stuff. But for me, I just feel like there's more of a long-term game. And I'm not saying I'll never do an open edition, but I think I'd want to do it in a more creative way than, than how we've seen it recently. What would you say, like, the solution to what we're facing in terms of the mindset game in the NFT and the Web3 space? Like, in terms of everybody's all about the money-making aspect, and I think it comes back down to the idea of anywhere you go, all you hear about crypto and NFTs is it's a great way to make money and you can make a lot of money quick, right? So what is like what is going to be the new one-liner that you describe NFTs or crypto community or just crypto in general that's going to allow people to change the shift of mindset that they think about the space specifically besides just the making money side? I would say um, recognize that NFTs right now are a technological and artistic revolution that you'll only see once in a lifetime. People talk about the Renaissance period in art. Like I do genuinely believe this is a digital Renaissance. People talk about the dot-com bubble. Is it bubble? That's probably not the best word to use given I'm trying to pitch this, but you'll talk about, you know, the beginning of the internet or the industrial revolution. Um, all these kind of things were like big moments in history. And I genuinely really, 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 really think that crypto and NFTs are that right now. And whatever, the money is the money, but just being a part of it and being able to say like, I was like one of the original people in the early years that was like collecting NFTs or making art or doing this in DeFi or whatever. Like, I think that's a really amazing thing to say um, that um, you can only really do once in your lifetime, I think. And that for me is the, the big thing. Yeah, I agree. How, how did it feel when um, Snoop Dogg bought your NFTs? What was that moment like? That uh, is insane. It was just, um, I'm quite, I'm quite a big Snoop fan, but um, who isn't, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It's just the, the most surreal feeling ever. Did that happen organically? Was there anything going on like that you were trying to accomplish or it would just kind of just happen? Genuinely, like the mo like a lot of people ask that, did you guys pay him or whatever? Um, completely, completely organic. I had no idea. And I was actually like at my friend's bachelor party and I was like, like drinking a pint, like like midway through downing a pint. And someone was like, hey, like Snoop just bought your bought, uh, wrecked guy. I was like, what? Um, um, com yeah, exactly. Completely out of the blue. It was insane. That, that's For me, that's like my biggest highlight in, in this whole journey so far. I love that. What are some other like really cool moments that you've experienced since you've been in this space? And then I want to talk about some bad ones. Yeah, that was amazing. The whole ape thing was amazing. I think... Um, uh, honestly, like going to the first NFT event when I went to the first NFT NYC was just unreal because everyone's like, um, sitting at home, like, um, on online on computers and stuff. Um, and actually going, uh, going to it in person and seeing all these people and stuff was just incredible. That's, that's another, another real moment. Yeah, I love the in-person events now more than ever because every time I go to like one of these events, I get to meet new people and you get to like put a face on the character, right? Online, it's like you play Fortnite forever. You always talk to the person, but you've never seen them. And when you've seen them, you have this 
now a full clear image of who the people you're dealing with and you're talking with every single day. So it's always pretty dope. Talk, talk to me about some of the biggest losses or the biggest, like the worst days or stories that you faced in the space as well. Biggest losses. Look, I, um, in May, 2021, um, there's a big crypto crash and I felt overexposed, you know, I could put a lot of my own money into it and things were down like 60 or 70%. Um, and yeah, like I felt very overexposed and things were down a lot. Um, and lost a lot, lost a lot of money. And I actually sold stuff. I sold stuff at the lows. Like I went against, against the things that I always say and preach and I sold stuff and lost money. So, um, that was a big one last year. See last year I took big losses. I took big paper losses, but I was kind of like prepared for it. Like I'd, I'd sold, I quit my job. I'd sold a bunch, took, took cash out and you know, I took, I took way bigger losses. I did last year than I did in 2021, but um i kind of like knew it was coming and i had a game plan and i was like cool like i'm gonna buy here then i'm gonna buy here i'm gonna buy here and it felt gross like eth like i started i started averaging down on eth at like 3.3k or whatever and um you know as it went lower i just kept buying and buying and buying and it just for ages just felt so gross and then at one point you're like what am i doing here is this whole thing a scam um <laughs> but it worked out in the end but yeah like those are there's definitely two moments that were tough, but I just stuck through it basically. Do you ever see a world where crypto doesn't make it? No, I really don't. It's too big, too big to fail now. It really is too big to fail. What would you tell the people who do think crypto is not going to make it? People said the same thing about the internet. People said the same thing about Bitcoin. It's literally existed for 12 plus years. Um, you know, what's that little in newspaper clipping of the internet which says, um, uh, internet users down millions is like, is this about to fail? Like it, you know. People say all these things and um, if something lasts for 10 plus years, you can, you can, you know, you can be sure it's not going to go away anytime soon. Yeah. I'm right there with you on that. Obviously that's why I'm doing what I'm doing here. How about in terms of like uh, predictions, any big or bold predictions that you have uh, for this space, whether it's this year or over the next few years? The biggest thing that I think will happen is we'll get mass adoption, but without people realizing it, I think that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing. I think people, crypto, NFTs, everything will be used in everyday lives and people just won't know. It's just like when you send money in a bank transfer or whatever, no one knows how it's actually sent. Like no one knows ACH or all that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, you know, that's the um, that's the way I think this stuff will will work and it will happen very soon, sooner, sooner than people think. Do you think it will require something like, I don't know, OnlyFans, for example, but for crypto or using crypto-wise? to really see a big boom in a space like this? Yeah, maybe. I mean, like arguably NFTs were something that, that creates a big adoption themselves. But yeah, like I think any of these ideas that create virality, I think will, will definitely make a big impact. But it's got to be different. Like you can't just like say, oh, you have to like send ETH to Coinbase and then <laughs> send it to your MetaMask wallet and then sign this transaction. Like no one's going to do that. Um, I mean, lots of people are doing it, but you're not going to get like... Um, the adoption that we want to have with, with the technology the way it is right now. Yeah. Do you find it funny that it's a lot easier to spend crypto and ETH on stupid things than it is to spend real hard earned cash? Like if I'm looking at my bank account, I want to go, let's say, I don't know, luxury store shopping. It's a lot harder for me to spend $800 on a t-shirt or a jacket that I really fucking like than it is to spend one ETH on a fucking NFT that I have no clue if it's going to go up or down. Yeah, I know. It's just like, it's funny how that is. And it's the same for everyone. It's the same for me, but I guess there's this element of like 
magic internet money and a lot of people aren't taking out their money. They're just playing with it online and it's like a game. And um, I guess once you make enough money, you take it out because it makes a difference to your life. But until you get to that point, it's just like, you know, you're basically playing a game and it's a, it's, a, it's almost like it's not real money, basically. That's, that's, that's how I think people approach it. Yeah, it never feels like real money. It always feels like a game. And I'm just worried about if more crypto tech gets integrated into everyday things, how is that going to affect my spending habits as a human? Like, would you ever start buying food and clothes with ETH? And how much easier would it be to buy food and clothes and other stuff with like ETH or another cryptocurrency? It would be good. I mean, if everything was interoperable, it would be great. But um, the problem is you have a tax implication in most places, right? So like, I don't want to, if I bought ETH at 900 and now it's at 1700, I don't want to like buy a sandwich because I'm going to have to pay 20% <laughs> tax on that or whatever. Like, I think that's the biggest problem at the moment for that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, cool. Besides that, um, anything else you want to touch up on? I think we touched on a lot of few good things here. Um, any new projects or not new projects, I guess, anything else upcoming that you'd like to touch up on here before we wrap this up? Uh, not really. I think we covered a, covered a good amount there, I would say. Yeah, cool. Well, awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, make sure to check out Avi OSF down in the description, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.